You are listening to the Heath Fluids Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the Second Chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heath Fluids Podcast. It was really cool this morning when I went to the gym super early. The weather is changing a little bit. And my guest today, we live about 30 minutes apart. So we get pretty much the same weather. And it has been a hot summer. It We've been getting 110s, 113s. And when I went outside today, and, and then I saw, I kind of always look at the weather app. And I was meeting as I'm transitioning into full-time ministry I met with the regional director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, who's been a good friend of mine, uh, Khalil Tucker. And we just said, let's sit outside today. Like, let's just sit outside and enjoy the weather. It was yes. 71 degrees. And then I looked at the weather app and I saw that in the next couple of days, Friday and Saturday, we're going to dip down into the 60s a little bit, Ooh. Pastor Michael. Thank and you, so please. I'm excited about that. I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm excited about that. And so I want to say a couple of things about my guest today. And I know that I got goosebumps as we're talking, so I know that the Holy Spirit is here and that we're going to impact a lot of people with this interview. But most of all, and I say this all the time, like Lisa and I were praying, you know, we pray a lot. One of the things I think is the most powerful weapon that we got is prayer. Right. And I know that Pastor Michael agrees with me on that because I know he's a man of prayer. And and we've been together. Wow. I, I want to say coming up on two years in the mornings, every morning on yeah. Clubhouse and really making an impact in the kingdom. And I feel honored that I get to, and my wife and I really, you know, at least four or five times a year, we wake up on a Sunday and we say, hey, we're we're going to go to the movement church today, right? And I get to hear the wisdom that comes from him. Pastor Michael Norman is a speaker. He's a teacher, soon to be a more author. I know that's coming. I know that's coming. I know he's going to be writing some books He's a great musician, an excellent musician. He's an excellent father. I know he's excited him and his daughter are getting ready to minister together and change the lives of children and adults and parents. You know, there's just so much that I could say about him, but I call him a friend, you know, because the reason we lack wisdom is because we don't ask it. And I, I have a funny feeling we're going to dive into some of that because the name that I have for him is Pastor Wisdom. Like in the mornings when I say, you know, say hi to everybody. I just say hi to Pastor Wisdom because you give honor where honor is due. And so Pastor Michael Norman, Pastor Wisdom, I honor you today and thank you for being with me, my brother. Thank you for having me, man. That that was impressive. It's like they say, I almost was looking around to see, am I, is he talking about me? <laughs> well, but you know, it, it's always... I, yeah, I feel like it's a divine connection anytime we're able to come together because, you know, we are of the the only particular people who have names in representation right there in the throne room of heaven. So this is literally a divine connection, literally. Love it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I think, you know, it's funny. And I want to preface in this before Pastor Michael tells his story. I feel like I know him, but I feel like today is like yesterday I interviewed a friend of mine, uh, Reggie Flowers, who I met at my friend Ray Higdon's event, Faith Over Fear. And Reggie's just an amazing man of God. He lost his spouse about three years ago, got remarried. And we were just talking about wisdom and discernment. 
and I'm going to share this. I think I don't think I've shared this with him, but I'm going to share it with him today so that everybody can hear this. Back in January, and I learned a lot about this from Pastor Michael and from my friend Myron Golden about the wisdom and discernment of Solomon. And last January, shortly after the beginning of the year, I was fasting for five days, and the Holy Spirit woke me up on the fifth day and said, what have you learned about wisdom and discernment? And, and, I, and I said, that I should pray for it. He said, well, I want you to pray for the same wisdom and discernment that I gave to Solomon. I want to grant to you. And I was like, okay, every morning, like <laughs> how often do I pray that prayer? And he said, I want you to start your morning, just, you know, waking up and worshiping me. I want you to serve others. And I want you to ask for the wisdom and discernment of Solomon. And let me say what that's done for my life. It has radically gave me purpose. It's gave me vision. It's closed doors that I thought were going to be like these massive doors. It's allowed me to have more of an understanding of what God wants to do in my life in and through me and the impact that stepping into full-time ministry, because when it is, he closes the doors that need to be closed and he opens the doors that need to be open. Right. And we've been, we've been, we've been talking about, you know, quantum leap and I'm a quantum theory guy. I love you know, I love DNA stuff. I'm that's my, that's my groove, right? And I love that my DNA and Michael's DNA, like he said, we're connected, we're combined. We have the DNA of heaven in our life. And so, thank you for giving me a revelation. And under, I always say this, Pastor Michael, the difference between wisdom and knowledge is the action that we take from the revelation that we receive. Absolutely. Because once we receive that revelation, it's our moral responsibility to take action on what we've seen. So thank you for giving me that push, a little bit of a push during my fast. And so I'm excited to hear from you. So tell me, who is Michael Norman? I want to know. I feel like I know, but well, I want to know. That's a very interesting question because, you know, I've spent pretty much the whole of my life trying to discover that myself. You know, it's easy to say because most people, you know, when they ask, who are you, they start rattling off the things that they've done and the things that they've accomplished. And that in many cases just defines a certain deficiency that exists within one's soul because we are not what we do. We do what we do out of a a sense of who we are. And at least that's kind of how we want to be. But before I go on on that rabbit trail, um, <laughs> you know, I'm quick to do that, boy. I know. I got you. I got you. I got you. We call it shift in the morning. It's some shift. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, my name is Michael, Michael Norman, born and raised right here in Orlando, Florida, and graduate of Oak Ridge High School. Wow. And- Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the basketball mecca of Orlando, I call Oak Ridge High School. Yes. Yes. At one time, particularly when we were in my class, we had some of the the fastest runners in all of the United States, actually. They they were phenomenal athletes. It didn't fall on me. You know, I started out (laughs) running in junior high. This is before they instituted middle schools. So I was super fast in junior high. And so, you know, the idea was, okay, now you'll just go to and continue your fame and notoriety as a, a sprinter in high school. And that's when I got to Oak Ridge and I have never seen, and I was like, wait a minute, there's people faster than me. 
No, that's so, that's so funny you said that because I I really actually think that Oak Ridge might win a state basketball championship this year. I'm I'm going back into officiating basketball, and one of the reasons I oh, did cool. is I want to be able to watch some of these teams. My wife and I love to go and just sit at basketball games. But Oak Ridge was really good last year. Went to the state championship. I think they have everybody back of the first six of the first seven starters back. So I'm excited to watch them play this year. That postseason is going to be great. But nevertheless, so, you know, graduating from high school, you know, and I feel like immediately, well, I should also include simultaneously matriculating through my, you know, this the tri-level of school. I grew up in church and the story goes, this is what my mother told me. She said, Michael, you know, I prayed and asked the Lord, you know, to give because she's an evangelist. I affectionately called my mother my first drug dealer. Because she drugged me to Sunday school. She drugged me to Sunday to worship. She drugged me to YPE. She drugged me to midweek service prisons and the whole nine. So she's my initial drug dealer. But I love mom. So she just had a birthday actually yesterday. But nevertheless, because of her involvement in the church, she wanted to become, you know, a musician. And she prayed and asked God to give her the gift of music because the church didn't have a musician at the time. And uh, rather than giving her the gift of music, she gave her the gift of a son. (laughs) And that was me and put the music in me. So in her economy, she's thinking, ah, so that must mean he must play for me wherever I go. Now, as much as I love my mom, Back her, to the drug her, dealer, right? Back to the drug. Yeah. <laughs> her and her friends, she had this little group she called the Hallelujah Chorus. And I've never seen a ragtag bunch of misfits that, can't, I mean, literally could not carry a tune in a bucket with a handle. So <laughs> so that's kind of how I grew up in this background, this religious, very, very stringent, actually, stringent religious background. At the same time, we had this thing where growing up, you know, it was a sin to do everything outside of breathing. So if you go to the movies, you're going to hell, go to to the game, football game, you're going to hell, basketball game, going to hell, rare jewelry, going to hell. You don't come to church without a tie on. You come to church without a tie, you're going to hell. So it was a very, very, very restrictive and conservative kind of religious upbringing. So I'm kind of living a dual world because I started playing the keyboards at around seven. I believe it was six or seven. So, you know, I'm immersed in a particular culture that kind of shaped my whole world because scientists have proven that your child or our children, whatever you teach them from the womb till about seven years of age is basically who they are going to be. You've literally set their life's course. Allergies, all that stuff. You said all that stuff at that age. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you are, everything you train or, or do not train them to be, that's what they become. And then anything after seven years is reparative. You're trying to reconstruct or redevelop. Yep. So moving quickly along, upon my, I only attended college for about a semester. I wanted to go and be a, uh, I love math, but math didn't love me back. But so, but I went into the college trying to become a, a computer scientist. But I didn't even know that there was math after geometry. And I mean, I've done, I did algebra, geometry, and a little bit of calculus, but I'm like, there's more? So you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So nevertheless, I dropped out of that, put a big W on that one. But shortly, I had to be about 20, 21, 20. By the time I would turn 23, I moved away out of my parents' home 
into Miami. And incidentally, growing up in my family's home, as you know, here in Florida, it gets hot. As a matter of fact, it gets so hot. I thought I saw Lucifer one day walking down the street with a slushy. He was like, it's hot. I know. I know he. <laughs> so it's so funny that we grew up in a family home with no AC whatsoever. Man, the way we had to walk around in our house, it's probably illegal now. But as soon as I moved out, moved away and started my own life, that's when they got central AC. I was like, where was that revelation while we, you know, I was living there, you know, and that was probably part of the, the plan to get him out. You know, if we can, we can just kind of starve him out with this heat. He'll, he'll get out of here. So 23, I left home, moved to Miami. This is 1987, moved to Miami on an offer, job offer to become a radio personality for a radio station down in Miami because they were starting a choir, you know, a radio choir. And they wanted to utilize there again, my musical skill to help produce a radio choir. And in exchange, they gave me an on-air personality job. Of course, that was the 12 midnight to six where everybody was asleep, but that was perfect because I couldn't string two words together. I mean, it was a mess, trust me. But unbeknownst to me, long story even shorter, there was a young lady listening to me and I did not even, I wasn't aware of, of course, you know, it's crazy. 12 midnight to six, it's a plenty of opportunity for mishaps and mistakes and things of that nature. And I'll tell you one quick story. I was, I was on the air at like somewhere around three or four, four o'clock in the morning is the sleepiest time of the day, 4 a.m. And if you can make it past 4 a.m., you can pretty much stay up the yep. rest of the night. Yep. But that four o'clock would roll around and I put like four long playing LPs, that, the records, you know, for the young folks that records is, you know, this big, disc looking thing, you know, looks like a Frisbee. So I put about four of those strung together and automatically they would play. And I found myself, I'm going to the outside into the lobby and sit on the couch because, you know, I'm a little tired. And next thing I knew, my eyes are closed. I'm waking up to the sound of the police banging on the front door because all they could hear on air was this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the good old vinyls. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it, it saved my life. They, someone was listening, and it's like something may be wrong with them. Well, let's send the cops out there, and so they bang it on the door, woke me up. <laughs> so fortunately, I didn't get fired that time. But again, there was this woman that would be on the air, like from twelve to about three, I think, and she would pray for people all night long from 12 to about 3 a.m. And she found out that I was a musician. And she says, Mike, I'm starting a church and I want you to play for my church. And I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> because number no more one, drug dealers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had enough and drug around. I'm tired of it. But no, she she was persistent. And I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want to play for a startup because, you know, I'm here I'm by myself. I don't have families, no friends, no nothing. I'm here alone. I'm strictly business. And she says, well, she kept being persistent. And the guy, incidentally, that hired me, the radio programmer, he hired me. And about a week after I got there, they fired him. And so to let you know, this had to be divine because once a new program director comes in, he usually brings his staff with him. Yeah. But some for some reason he get rid said, of everybody that's there and bring in all the new bring in all their yeah. people. 
Right, right. That's exactly how it goes. And so, but he let me stay and I met the, her name was, uh, they called her Mother Ruth. Long story even shorter, she was demanding, please, 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 please. I said, and you know what? I came up, I concocted a story. I said, I'll double charge her what I normally get. And she'll say, I can't afford it. And I'll say, well, sorry, I'd love to do it, but I have to have that. And so she came in as she normally does that that night to start it in on me. I said, this is what it's going to cost. Thinking she was going to say, well, I can't afford it. But she looked around and she says, okay. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> I should have called higher. I should have said right. I it, yeah, it, yeah, I should have tripled it. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so anyway, unbeknownst to me, the church that she was pastoring, I played that Sunday and all of a sudden one day, you know, in church, we call it praise break. That's when everybody's dancing all over the place, you know, running the aisles, excited and that sort of thing. In the midst of all this, I'm a musician. So one thing I've learned as a musician, you know, the Bible says to, to watch as well as pray. I've learned to watch as well as play because, you know, I grew up in the hood. (laughs) So you got to, you know, I watched the doors while everybody else is, you know, praying. But strangest thing, this woman comes through the double doors of the church in the middle of all this chaos. And it was like the moment the doors opened, I just had to have gone into a vortex of some sort because she's walking in slow motion as she's coming through the door. And of course, that intrigued me. I'm like, wow, what is going on here? You know, everybody's dancing and celebrating around me, but we're in this vortex together going in slow motion. And I'm like, well, who is this woman? Turns out, long story even shorter, it's a young lady by the name of Francina Scales at the time. So we met, we talked, and she did such a, such a great job. I told her later that night, I said, hey, listen, anytime you need me to play for you, I'll be more than happy to do it. Just let me know. She says, well, where are you from? I said, Orlando. She says, so what are you doing here? I said, I'm working at the radio station. I have no friends. I'm by myself, blah, blah, blah. She says, you probably haven't had a home cooked meal in a long time, huh? I said, yeah, it's been a while. So she's like, I'll bring you something to the radio station tonight. I was like, really? Man. These South Florida people are really nice. No, <laughs> no yeah. Home run. So, yeah, and to jump to the end, here it is. Three months after meeting her, we were married. Wow. Yeah, three months later, we're married. Don't advise that for, you know, as the norm. This is an exception to the rule. How old were you then, Pastor Michael? You were 20, 23. 23. How old I'm was Francina? Francina is my senior. I will not divulge her age, and uh, you will okay. not. You almost got me there, right? You almost got me. <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's. But I'll tell you this: we've been married for thirty-six years now. Thirty-six oh. years. So I always say, you must have put something in that little meal that you prepared for me, because that's when we decided we were going to get married. Yeah. You got a big birthday coming up, the next birthday. My Yeah, what is the big six, six zero coming up? Yep. I feel wonderful. I feel full of life, vitality. You know, the only giveaway is these little silver linings that I have now going. I but shave mine uh, off today. Yeah, I usually put a little tent on it, you know, to keep it in the scripture. The Bible says you should die daily. So I'm like, I die daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. 
That's awesome. And that's how you met Francina. And and then she's no longer Francina Scales. She's Francina Norman. Francina Apostle. Yeah. Apostle Fran. And, and yeah, it's funny. In the last, since I met her, she went from prophetess Francina to apostle Francina. Yeah. And, she outranks and, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things I like about that is, and then we're going to dive into the couple words that I, the Holy Spirit had me write down here. I've already taken three pages of a note. So I, I got my Michael Norman book now already oh, okay. cool. created right here from the business. And now I understand where you got your business savvy from back at age 23, you were business savvy. You spoke and from a business perspective, which we should speak from a business perspective, I had the privilege this this two weeks ago of of meeting one of my childhood mentors, Dr. John C. Maxwell. He brought me up on stage and had the privilege of sharing the testimony to him and watched him cry. I actually got to watch the video. I hadn't, I hadn't watched the video yet. And it brought me back to the emotional understanding of, of the moral responsibility we have that even in ministry, we're worthy. I'm reading a book, Pastor Michael called the God ask. And it's a great book about fundraising, about ministry, about your responsibility to understand you're worthy of being paid for your calling. You're worthy of your wisdom. Yes. You know, that's one of the things that hit me with when as a child musician in the church, they they would never pay me because they said, you didn't pay for that gift. Did you? I said, no. I say, well, then freely you've received then freely you should give. Yeah. And for, for years that took a while to to kind of overcome that. Yeah. No. So talk about that a minute. Let's talk about that for a minute. So the responsibility and the, and involved like pastor wisdom has a blueprint called the wisdom blueprint. And his goal is to inspire other people to walk in purpose, right? right? Like to understand their God given talents, gifts, and callings. So talk about that a little bit. Talk about your passion behind that because i one of the things i think I, I i said this to my wife not a while back what i like about pastor michael is is that he's constantly looking at ways that he can use his gifts and talents but also not in a way where he's just freely giving right like god's gifted him with these things and he's gifted him as a minister as as a gift yeah. you know someone who get, and now he's stepped into you know letting people know that like not everything in life is free. And I've, well, I've taken this, I've taken this away from this book. Like you deserve to be paid for what you're worth and your value. Absolutely. So talk, about that. so talk about that. Well, I actually believe that God backs up that sentiment because um, Proverbs Psalms, I'm sorry, 23 says, I believe it is that talks about that. Uh, we should buy the truth and sell it not. Now, you know, imagine the, I'm like, really? So if you read the text of the Bible, carefully, you'll discover that God is very, very pro compensation, you know, to pay you. And a matter of fact, he compensates for the works that we do. There is a reward for the things that we do in his name and in his honor. But for me, that was a very long trajectory to the point where I'm compensated for the gift that I have. And even feeling that I'm worthy of it, because again, I think, I guess the best way I could say one of the worst things that religion brings to us is a sense of unworthiness and mm. everything about it. You know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Oh, oh, wretched man that I am. Even in our hymnals, you know, oh, God would save a wretch like me. And, and it's so self-defecating that it's very difficult to come to the place where you feel as though 
I'm worth it and I'm worthy of it. And there's nothing incidentally about God that underscores or supports the idea that you should be some sort of free labor. A workman is worthy of his hire. In other words, if you read Apostle Paul's writing, he seems to suggest that if I have sown into you spiritual things, it is only right that you sow into me material things. And so that's pretty bold and upfront. But it took a while for me to reform my thinking, not to mention you would think poverty and lack (laughs) and starving and hunger would do it. But because when you have that ideology in your mind that you're not worthy and God does not want you to put a demand on people for your gift and your talent, it's very difficult to ask for it. And one of the only reasons this had to be a divine intervention, because one of the only reasons that I even at this point, I'm more comfortable with accepting compensation is that when as a child around about 13, I joined another church within the same denomination. I grew up under such oppression and literally it stripped me of my own sense of worth till I kind of got tired. 13, you know, we turn into a puberty kicks in and we turn into a different person. <laughs> you know, if you've raised children, you know what I mean. And when they hit 13, they just turn into a whole nother creature. And uh, so I got tired of it and got my, you know, a little something rod in my back and a little something vo- vocal. And, and I left. I said, I don't want to come here anymore. And I joined another congregation in the same denomination. But when I played there, the interesting thing was before I asked for anything, they literally offered, go ahead, cut him a check and pay him for his service. Pay me? So, wow, that's an innovation. (laughs) I think I like it here. And as a matter of fact, I stayed at that particular church from 13 for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So I literally left that church when I moved away from Orlando to Miami. And when I met my wife, because they honored me in such a way that, and this should be cautionary tale that if you can show honor you will receive honor because I gave them 10 years of loyalty and faithfulness for 10 years because they were loyal to me in a time when I wasn't loyal to myself. So there you have it. You know, I'm meeting my wife. We get married. We're in ministry. Again, the story is there's so many of them. And I know we're, we're short on time, no, you're good. but you're good. You're good. but I'll tell you this much, though, since getting married, not only brought a certain a new dimension to my life because she has three kids at the time she had three children unbeknownst to me this is why jokingly i tell people all the time and even my wife i'm like why didn't somebody grab my coattail and say do you know what you're about to get into (laughs) you're not only marrying a woman you're marrying her three children as well you're going to have to execute some extreme wisdom and knowledge and know-how which i didn't have So everything that we learned was on the job training. It was literally on the job training. And through that, my religious upbringing, it fueled my passion for people to help them discover not only their God given ability and destiny, but the God that's already resident inside of them. And it is our challenge to 
allow that to begin to manifest, to come forth and express itself in a very significant way. Because you said something, even as we were getting started, that uh, in terms of planning and scripting, I'm like you in the sense that I love just kind of winging it because I depend on a divine inspiration more than calculation. Now, there's that's not to say there's no place for planning. You know, I believe plan your work and work your plan. However, I understand that inspiration is something that reaches the heart of anyone, not yourself first. And then when it comes from the spirit to the spirit, it has a greater impact than just Mm -hmm. mere letters. Yeah, so good. That's so good. And so I always say this, Pastor Michael, I I know how the Holy Spirit works and how he goes through this. I've had uh, Holy Spirit bumps, we call them in our house the whole time that we've been talking and been on here. And so and I want I wanted to use this now because the Holy Spirit just showed me this during the vision as you were talking is that, you know, those three children have became your children. And as I watch and as I watch that, I watch the giftings and talents that, you know, is happening with Dirk where he's at. And then just with Latanya and Unique and how Unique is has really stepped into her giftings and her talents. And, yeah. it, and it reminds me of a commercial of that's recently I saw on TV. And I actually said it reminds me of Pastor Michael. And, and it's this picture of this young girl and her mom gets married and she's a single mom and she gets married and she calls him Chris, like, you know, for years and years. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's him teaching her schoolwork. And she says, thank you so much, Chris. And then it's, you know, her going off to college and he's mentoring her in college and she calls him Chris. And then on the day of her wedding, she's in this room. And, and I cry every time I watch this commercial. I don't know why, but I'm just like this emotional guy. And so he walks into the room where she's sitting and he said, oh, wow, you are so beautiful. And she says, thank you, dad. Mm-hmm. So Chris mm. became that father, yeah. right? Yes, powerful. And that, yeah, and that's so powerful. One of my biggest takeaways from this book, The God Ask and the Giving and Fundraising, they say that, you know, the 80-20 rule, which, you know, the Peralta rule, right? Like the 80% of the giving, you know, all this is done mm-hmm. by 20% of the people. And I'm looking and they say, you know, a certain amount of 80% of the people take like two or three years to finish their fundraising, Right. And then there's that 20% that's called that does it in a hundred days. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and Lisa and I, we haven't even told anybody what we're doing and we just already have had an influx of people like, you know, ministries and, and people, and even the people that we didn't think would ever want to give to ministry. I've realized that it's important to share your vision with those type of people, because as you know, as pastoring a church, even that, person that gives $20 or $50 every month or $100 every month. That's not for just the church to excel. It's for the person that's giving for them to receive the blessing that they're giving and doing. And it's like, I say to Lisa all the time, you know, one of the things I think that I learned from age 11, Pastor Michael, was to tithe. And this was my tithing at my young age of 12 years old. I would get $20 a week from my dad, which nowadays is like $200 a week, right? Like, because inflation is crazy, right? And so I would give my $2 at church and I would buy these cassette tapes. Yes, I'm showing my age. And they were by a pastor named Frederick Price. And and I'm sure you know Pastor Frederick Price, right? 
And yes. and so, you know, he he just went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago during COVID, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know that he had passed. But I bought these cassette tapes from him every week. They cost four dollars, which I'm thinking, man, he's charging four dollars, man. What's up with that? It should be like a dollar or two dollars or 50 cents. <laughs> right. He was yes. smart, like he was getting what he needed, you know. And so I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about giving. I learned a lot about tithing. I learned a lot about how to understand that it's not mine anyway, right? It's like in Proverbs, it says, you know, if you have any good thing, it's your responsibility to steward what God has given you, right? right. And it mm-hmm. says, and it says, don't tell your friend to come back tomorrow. You know, hey, Pastor Michael, I know you need prayer. I know you're going through a lot, but hey, brother, I'll talk to you tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't say that. If, if there's a need or there's a, you know, I was in Prophet Sheila's room today and I just felt the need to give, right? Just out of the Holy Spirit, just to give. Because when you give, it's good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. So right. the last thing I want to talk about is that word wisdom and discernment. Because, you know, I, I said this in the beginning, we call Pastor Michael, Pastor Wisdom. I say this all the time when he teaches and preaches. I leave there different than when I come in, but I think it's twofold. It's my expectation when I go, right? It's, yes. it's uh, Donna, Ferguson, Donna Ferguson said this the other day, and I say it all the time. You know, God, we ask God to give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that's receptive for revelation and the action that we take once we receive, right? And it's yes. why I always take a lot of notes in the morning and and go back and listen. And if I miss something, the other day I was driving, I didn't get to hear it. I went back and I listened to a lot of the teaching. So share with us a little bit the importance of wisdom and discernment in our walk with Christ. Wisdom is absolutely apex in my book. And I'm in good company because it seems to be apex in God's book. Now, if you read, again, studying the scripture, you'll discover that God, while he is the creator, he uses wisdom as his counselor. So, So everything that we see that has been constructed, God consults with wisdom on how to put it together. And so that spoke to me in a very, very significant way that told me and not to mention Solomon being the wisest man that ever lived, being blessed in everything that he's done. That spoke to me as a young kid to say, well, then I want wisdom. Yes, I want money. Yes, I want a certain acclaim. I want all of that, all of the accoutrements that comes with success. I want all of that. But before that and primary to that is wisdom because the danger is that we'll acquire things without the wisdom without the wisdom of god we can acquire the very things that will be the tool for our own destruction again the bible talks about again in the scripture it says that these momentary light afflictions are but for a moment but they work for a far weightier set of glory which Mm. means glory is defined as the full expression however it says that its glory has a weight to it there's a weightiness to glory and so if you're not careful and you have not been properly processed through wisdom and knowledge and understanding by the time you get to that place of full expression the weight of it will be destructive rather than constructive Mm. and so you could literally be sabotaged by the very thing that you desire for your life. And so I figured then I'm used to denying myself 
That's what I've been taught since I was a kid. And remember, zero to seven. <laughs> so it's not that I'm super spiritual or, you know, I'm the Gandhi of my family. It's just that that's what I was told. And it's hard to break that habit. From the drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all her cohorts, all her, her prayer. All the her other drug band. dealers. <laughs> <laughs> she had, I mean, literally, she had a whole band of it. But nevertheless, through that, there's a benefit to it because even that worked together for my good because I've learned it's better to sit back and observe than to be heard. It's much better to observe than to be heard. If your need to be heard exceeds your need to hear, then the Bible says that that's a level of, well, well I'll just say it, just foolishness. You know, or ignorance, it, like you said the other day when you said that they were yeah. ignorant. Yeah, that's really you're self-exposed. You're really you're just uh, being and, real, right? You're just being yeah. raw and real, raw and real. And I find that people appreciate. It. They may not like it, but they will appreciate it at, even in their disgust. So anyway, that's why wisdom for me is not a religion. It's not per se something I do ritualistically, because. I'm not worshiping at the altar of wisdom as much as I'm allowing wisdom to have its place in my consciousness, in my cognitive awareness. You know, I want to be able to operate from the standpoint, not just in gaining material success for myself, but more importantly, how to reach people and empower them and bring something to them of substance mm. that will empower them to a place where they see their own worth. And that would empower and excite and fuel them towards their own God-given purpose. I'm in the process of ministering to a renowned bishop right now, but he's in the throes of depression. He doesn't see his worth. He doesn't see his value. I mean, and successful, very modern, you know, and successful in a lot of eyes, but he just can't seem to, to see his own worth. So now I'm spending this time just slowly at their own pace, you know, trying to help them to begin to be aware. Number one, God is not as angry against you as you think that he is. And, and for me, that, that was a huge thing. I was always thinking that God was after mad me. At me. You know? yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Why is he so um, mad at me? My, my, yeah, my exactly. Said I mean, my grandmother said, God's never mad at you. I said, well, like, why is he always mad at me? I was like, God's never mad at you. I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. And, and then go on to support and show you the correlating evidence that he's not mad at you. You know, I got this kind of mixed story and testimony that God is good, but at the same time, he'll catch your butt in hell if you don't get your life right. I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm trying to, to reconcile the goodness of God and the judgment of God. And so that's where wisdom kicks in, where you have to be able to rightly divide, as the scriptures say, where you can unpack the scripture in such a way where people understand and can see themselves in it to the extent that, again, it empowers them to move on and take massive action that leads to their ultimate purpose. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared that. And I'll share this one thing before I ask you where people can connect with you. I, I know, but I want people to hear this. We put it all in the show notes. I think one of the things that I learned from you the most is, you know, the reason we lack wisdom is because we don't ask for it. Right. right. And it yeah. says that in the book of James, I mean, back to what you said, we've been given a blueprint, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth, like 
Yeah, literally. Here, figure it out. Like, this is your manual. This is your manual. If mm-hmm. you don't read the manual, how do you expect to gain wisdom or gain discernment? I was playing golf with my friend Myron Golden. He's been doing this series on YouTube. His YouTube channel has just exploded. Like, yes, you know, uh, I'm like, watching. Check him out. Yeah, like crazy. And he said, that only came from wisdom and discernment. He said, from asking God for vision and for understanding. And I think when we go back to that, Pastor Michael, if we don't ask, it's like in this book, the God asks, ask, seek, and knock. Like mm-hmm. if the, yes. you know, you had a near death experience recently where yes. you basically felt like you were transitioning, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on, but this yeah. is where I'm not ready for this. I don't I'm like not this. Right? this right. no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't like this. And so one mm-hmm. of the things I think that was encouraging from you, like you even, you know, <laughs> you made me laugh a couple weeks ago and you said, man, Francina called me. I didn't even know I was in the ICU, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Literally did not know that I like, was in you ICU. Talk about, talk about an outer body experience. You know, one mm-hmm. of my, my wife's mentors, Dr. Carol Elaine, who I think is one of the greatest prophetic voices, just like your wife. Um, uh, she had this outer body experience where her body actually went into the corner and God restored her body and then came back inside. And, and so we go through these things, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that wisdom and discernment to know that, Hey, maybe that's just a time for me to slow down. Like my wife always says, sometimes we have to slow down before we can speed up again. Right. Like that's, that's wisdom and that's discernment. So I'm grateful that, you know, we had this time to talk and to learn. I'm just glad that I get to partner with you in in life. I get to learn from you on a a regular basis. You know, the, I believe this, that the scripture that I said, I spoke over you and your wife at the beginning of this year, Haggai two and verse nine is that the latter days of our home. And I'm just going to say this, your new home will be greater than the former, how that happened. You know, I told you the story that Lisa and I, you know, we thought we were getting this house and then God said, no, that's not the house I want for you. I have something bigger for you. You just need to be patient, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, we're going to lose $3,000 a month we put down and God gave us the money back. And so mm-hmm. when we're faithful in the little things and we slow down and we ask for wisdom and we ask for that discernment, God allows that to be part of who we are. And it's like when you were saying about the bishop, you know, I did a teaching at a board meeting this week and the regional director of SCA said, man, you're just good with people. You just like people, don't you? He's like, yeah. he said, his wife just said, man, you just came in and acted like you'd known everybody for years and you, but you know where that's birth. If I, I can, sorry for the interruption, no, no, but that's it, birth. Come on. This is important for people to understand because if they know your story, the things you had to endure and overcome, that is the thing that powers the compassion and the sympathy and empathy you're able to pour out on others. You know, I don't want to sound antagonistic to prayer, but again, a lot of times we think of God as a genie that, you know, just give it to me. And, was, you know, Alakazam, bang, there it is. <laughs> yep. But generally the way that he works is before he gives it to you, he prepares you for it. So you were called, you were already destined before your mother even had you. Yes. And but that's he funny charted that a certain yeah. No, yeah. That's good. That's, good. that's what, why that you're up. such a, yeah. That's why you're able to be so, so powerful in your ministry and the work that you do, because it's not you trying to do it. It comes from a very pure and a, a very honest and you know, organic place. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate that because 
part of my message that I taught, I taught a five minute devotional on identity. And I think mm -hmm. when, when you were talking about your bishop friend, a lot of times when we don't understand our identity, self-doubt, self-ambition, self-sabotage, yeah. fear, worry, like haven't done yeah. enough or whatever that is creeps mm -hmm. in, right? Like the enemy yeah. comes in and he just creeps it in and he, and he tells you that you're not the, and, and, and I finished with this pastor, Michael, as I told the board members, some of them were pastors and business owners and stuff. And I said, you know, your identity is not in the success you've had in your church or in your businesses. It's in how Christ sees you. And mm -hmm. once you can look at yourself in the mirror and mm -hmm. see yourself the way God sees you, it allows you to use those gifts and those talents and that wisdom and discernment yeah. to advance the kingdom of heaven. Right? That's right. And mm -hmm. so I honor you. So tell us how people can connect with you, how people can follow you, you know, learn about the wisdom blueprint and connect with you more. Absolutely. Let me once again say how much I appreciate you having me on. This has been an absolute blessing to me as well. Your viewers can contact me, connect with me online at michaelnormanministries.com. Wisdom Blueprint is, is really my birth. My, that's my baby because it gives me the opportunity to literally provide the tools, the tips and techniques to help one, one uncover and rediscover in many cases what their divine purpose is. So all of that and more is available in Michael Norman Ministries. If you're in the Orlando area, though, this is one another. I'm a musician. Actually, I was a musician before I ever became a minister. And so on the 30th of September, I'll be hosting a um, concert featuring myself and Jerry Quarterman and Thomas Ware. Now, this is one of the first times you're going to hear smooth jazz within the context of the church. But to kind of round it all off, I brought two worshipers to kind of <laughs> sanction my my smooth jazzness. So so there you go. I love, I love that. I love that. And because the only reason I'm laughing, because I think back to, you know, your mom saying, Michael, you're playing that jazz music. You're going to hell. Literally, right? She literally <laughs> said that those are, those are her actual words. She's like, yeah, that's your daddy. Now, see, your daddy wasn't, you know, he wasn't saved. So 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 she said, now, I can't come and support jazz. I said, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm playing Christian music. I'm playing hymns. I'm doing choir music. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And I got two worshipers with me. So it'll be safe, safe environment. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. I, I just, you know, laughter is good medicine. Encouragement's good medicine. We combine all that together to advance ourselves. Absolutely. Unity and oneness and alignment, the things that, that God is doing. So guys, the only way you get to connect with Michael is is to connect with them and follow them. Go to michaelnormanministries.com. If you're in by the Orlando way, area, connect with yeah, them. Yeah, uh, by the way, you can also check me out on Facebook and at Michael Norman Ministries as well. All social media outlets. I'm on Instagram. I am Michael Norman on Instagram. I'm trying to up my Instagram game. It's been pretty it. weak. Yeah, but uh, we're going we're gonna to get it popping. I love it. I love it. So as I finish, as we close, you know, if you don't know about Clubhouse in the mornings, we have the largest, Pastor Michael and his wife, Apostle Francina, have the largest faith-based room on Clubhouse in the morning, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. Eastern to about 7.45 Eastern. Pastor Michael's on there, Apostle myself and some others. And, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Then again, on Thursday nights. Now, yes. I, my wife and I combine Monday through Friday, but I do my own personal room. The Wisdom Thursday Blueprint. Emphasize, yeah, every Thursday night, 7 p.m. in Clubhouse. The Wisdom Blueprint room. So 
That's an extension of the whoa, uh, whoa. Yeah, wisdom blueprint. So I will allow distractions to not take me away from, and we'll put all of that in the show notes. I'm excited to put all this in the show notes because I think what's important when you want to learn from someone is that you follow them and you listen to them. And I tune in and sit in the audience on Thursday nights. And so I say this to finish, love God, love people, live with passion vision and purpose so thank you for joining me pastor michael norman god bless you all thanks for listening have a great rest of your day bye-bye god bless you all take care bye-bye thank you for listening to the heatfluence podcast we hope you enjoyed be sure to rate subscribe and leave us a five-star review and as always you can follow michael on all social media platforms at michael david huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.